0: Listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics, and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 368. I'm your host, Andres Pinter, and joining me for the show is my co host, Pontus Böckmann. Hello! <laughs> See ya! Hey, how are you? Hey son, hey son. Um,
1: we lost Annika. Bloody hell! Yeah,
0: last minute, and it, unfortunately, yeah. it's it's to something that we don't know what it is because it's it's, it's, Luna. Um, <laughs> it's Luna. Unfortunately, two year olds have a terrible tendency to fall ill. Yeah, and um, yeah, and obviously they run straight to their mothers because that's what gives them comfort. <laughs> so she she needs the comfort luna at the moment so we are hoping that she gets well as soon as possible of course uh, you will. yes which we're is very soon yeah. yeah yeah so that happens that happens yeah that happens but we we're just gonna have to soldier on without her we for have the moment.
1: to yeah I, I have to ask you uh, andras do you have is it cold in hungary at the moment not really no? i would say um cool Cool. We we Relatively have cold. have this cold spell, unexpected cold spell with snow in the morning, and now it, most of it went away. But now it's below freezing again, and I don't know what I went I usually try to take my daily walk because that's what all the people do, <laughs> and uh, now I'm afraid that I will fall over because there's slippery ice all over the place. No, it was actually is more it all than, icy? Yeah, well, a little bit, but it, that's not why. I Actually stayed in most of the day, but it was it was too cold. It was windy, below zero, and snowing, and uh, blah. I want the spring wow. now. So, so I just <laughs> okay. wondered if this is just it. Apparently, mm. most of Sweden, but well, I don't know if you have that. Yeah, but you're aware that that you're
0: much further north than I am. Obviously, we it needs to reach us from the north, <laughs> and it it hasn't really well, uh, this winter. So no, it's it's okay. ridiculous. There there have been uh, times when it was below zero, but really freezing temperatures we haven't experienced uh, so far this winter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, global global climate change, global warming is is at work.
1: Yeah, I I'm have afraid. some gl- global cooling temporarily or local. <laughs> So uh, we will just have to soldier on. I'm sure it will disappear in a couple of days. It's not a problem. Yeah.
0: But I love that because I love the snow. I love I, I prefer the cold weather. I do. would really love to experience that for now. And yeah. where where am I heading next? Of course to Malaysia, close <laughs> to the equator.
1: So <laughs> won't be any ski slopes for you there either, I guess.
0: No, no, no. So um that my call is still out for people from Malaysia or Singapore who want to meet up with me. Mm-hmm. Well, preferably skeptics, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. whoever whoever's listening Random to this and can hear paths, it. Yeah. whatever. Yeah. Well, if if they listen to the show then
1: welcome. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> we we welcome you yeah, course, with open heart. Course. Speaking of shows, Andras I hear yeah. good news from uh, Hungary. Oh,
0: yes. I think I think I mentioned it before that it was in the making. But now I'm happy to announce that we have actually released our first episode of the podcast that is called Hody Vanes. So Svanes. Oh, it, it, it translates roughly as how is it really? Yeah. Or how is this really? And uh, yeah, there are four of us. All of us members of the Hungarian Skeptic Society. Uh, three of us are board members as well, so ah. it's a uh, pretty close circle for now. But uh, but it's
1: not an official
0: thing. For the,
1: you just happen to share the same.
0: Yeah, 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 of course. So we want to emphasize that it's not the official podcast of the Hungarian Skeptics, but it's a skeptical podcast, but we didn't call it that. And it was deliberate. It was Mm. on purpose that we wanted to open up to as many listeners as possible and uh, just just try to bring in a couple of very interesting topics, uh, regardless of whether it's trendy or it's trending at the moment. Things that we we Mm
1: -hmm. deem
0: important. So, yeah, it's been released. And uh, who wants... So one episode so far. It's mm-hmm. going to be a monthly podcast. Yeah, there is more than enough to have one weekly podcast out there for 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 one person. So uh, yeah, this yeah. is monthly. Sure. Because I'm the one doing the editing and all the technical stuff around it for now. So uh, you have some yeah. experience in the matter. Um, yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah? And right. thanks to you, I do have some time on my hands as well <laughs> yes. because now you're you're doing <laughs> right. the editing for yeah. quite a while now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So there's other skeptics doing good work. Uh, Annika was supposed to talk about this, but I'll take it for her. And I'll just say that SkepCon 2023, that's the German yearly skeptical congress of conference. It is on in Frankfurt in May. So it starts on the 18th of May and ends on the 20th of May. Mm -hmm. And I think all German-speaking skeptics should go. I don't know the program. It's there. I can click on it. It's in German. I probably won't (laughs) understand too much of it. I'm sure Annika can tell us more in the future about this. But it's always a great thing to go and meet other skeptics and learn something new and, and meet old friends and meet new friends as well.
0: Yeah. And even though we don't necessarily understand the topics and uh, the details, there are a couple of very familiar names there, Mm. people that we know personally as well. So uh, and and from that experience, we know that it's going to be a blast for those of the people who actually speak German, of course. That group I don't belong to, unfortunately. (laughs) But who knows? Sooner or later, it could happen speaking of different languages there is a new idea that we've come up uh, with for the esp and we would like to ask for the help of our listeners to pull that off so we are talking about two different things actually both of them concern some kind of local activities in the different countries of europe one of them we would like to call word of the week and the word of the week would be something from a different language that explains something interesting from a skeptical point of view, but we don't necessarily know what it means just by listening to it as non-speakers of that language. As an example, if I say, yeah, okay. Well, my face goes blank, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I can attest to that. Yes, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Our listeners don't see that, but I do. Yes, that means pseudoscience. Ah. Okay, that's a Hungarian word for pseudoscience. And there are, there, there are probably lots and lots of those. So what we would like you to do, dear listeners, is to send us words of that sort. So something that is not internationally recognized, but locally frequently used. And if you could accompany that with an audio recording of how the word is pronounced, because, well, you probably have a vague idea as to the limits of our language skills. <laughs> <laughs> we have been known to try occasionally to pronounce stuff, but it's not it doesn't always work. So that's one thing. And the other thing is what we would like to call who's quacking. Quack, quack. and quack, uh, quack. <laughs> so, yeah, and that quacking thing should have a double meaning for us. And one of them is when someone says some kind of words or a word salad that we don't understand because it's in a different language. Obviously, it will sound like quacking to us. But if it happens to be a pile of bullshit at the same time, then we are even better off. Hmm. Uh, so please let us know who the people in your country spreading pseudoscientific ideas and paddling misinformation and quackery are in your country. And if you could send us information on them and an audio recording of them or some kind of recording, if, if it's a, a YouTube link, that's fine as well. Just let us know who the greatest quacks are in your country. Not necessarily medicinal topics. It could be anything that is pseudoscientific. Just let us know because we would like to add something to the service that we provide as a kind of a hub that we would like to be for European skeptics. So let us share all those pieces of information.
1: Yeah, that would be great. Right? And then we would pick up things that we would probably miss otherwise as well. So it's always exactly. good with listeners exactly. interacting with us and give us, giving us uh, ideas to th- or things to talk about, things that we didn't know about. And, exactly, and it could be fun. Yeah, yeah. There are only so many languages that we could
0: understand outside of our own, but there are lots of languages and lots of different nations across Europe. So, yeah, it's an. Yeah. Imp- we are very excited about this. Uh, so, please help us out <laughs> and send us emails to info at theesp.eu with the information, or you can um, catch us on Facebook. You can send us a message on Messenger or or, Smoke or do signals. the same thing. Smoke signals that works to or tweet at us, or or something like that. So you you'll find a way to contact us. Just do, please do. <laughs> All right, but we do have a show today, uh, well, so I've heard. Um, so we'll, so see. we'll see. Without further ado, why don't we start with the usual thing? That is this week in skeptical history, also known as Twish. Okay. And this week, our birthday boy is, well, quite old. Well, he was born on the 9th of March, but some time ago. It was 1451. Wow. And he was born in uh, Florence to a very wealthy uh, family. And his father was quite influential. He was both a merchant and a bit of a politician in the court of the Republic of Florence, which means that they were very well connected to the Medici family. And this is how he, this guy, Amerigo Vespucci, traveled a lot. Um, he was usually on a business trip all the time. But in the meantime, he was practicing a lot of cartography and astronomy as well. Over the decades of his life, he provided a lot of maps and he collected maps as well. Based on his experience as a merchant and a negotiator as well, and representative of several different organizations, he got into the Spanish court. And the Spanish court, Especially after a couple of years of uh, Cristoforo Colombo, uh, that we know of, Christopher Columbus, the Spanish court grew tired of the lack of success of those expeditions because the alleged riches that were to be found in, well, somewhere that were called the West Indies, they were not delivered. So uh, they decided to ask Vespucci to go on a voyage. And we know of, definitely know of two voyages that he did to the new continent he called it mundus novus which was latin for new world yeah which we
1: sometimes call it still today right exactly we still
0: we still call it new world he kept (laughs) calling it that until the end of his life but in the meantime because of him realizing for the first time ever that it was a completely different continent and the reason why that happened was that because he crossed the equator down to the southern parts of the Americas and he realized that he's actually Looking at the southern sky. He was looking at constellations that had not been seen before. So it was it was like uh guys, something is wrong. Asia could not stretch this far south. So uh he realized that it was a completely different continent, and uh Christopher Columbus was wrong when he claimed that it was India and it was Asia that they reached, and of the far eastern end of, of Asia. So he basically debunked Christopher Columbus and this is why I think that it's not only a science history event that this happened but it also a very good skeptical lesson so he was looking at things that had not been been seen before and he ended up concluding that it was different it was a different continent and he started mapping it Well, not very accurately, I have to say, but he devised a new method of determining longitude, which is the east-western position of places on the surface of the Earth, of course. so But for that, you need very accurate observations, as well as very accurate timekeeping, which had not come about until the, the late 1700s, so he was very, very wrong when he claimed that he was gone as far as 80 degrees west from Europe, which was, well, probably around 40 degrees west. Okay, uh, so so in, 80 in degrees
1: west, where where would that have taken him? Middle of the Pacific Ocean, really, then? If, that was, if he had been right?
0: No, 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 no. A bit a bit further to the east from the Pacific. Uh-huh. Well, actually, if we're talking that far south where he went, current yeah. day Guyana it was, I think, close to the equator, it would be in the Pacific Ocean, somewhere in the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: Anyway, he was wrong. But, but that, in, the, the in
0: North America, it would be around somewhere between Houston, Texas, and uh, New York. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but he was wrong. He was on the other side of uh, South America. Mm. Yeah, it was pretty interesting, but he used a completely new method, which was then later clarified and quite frequently used. And that was using the conjunction of Mars and the moon. And mm-hmm. the reason why he could not establish an accurate longitude was uh, you had to be able to track the Loon the Loon <laughs> luna, you had to be able to track Luna very well, which is the moon. The moon moves quite fast compared to the other celestial objects like Mars on the sky. Yeah. It makes a movement of about half a degree per hour. Yeah,
1: It moves on the sky, we should say. On the sky, yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. On the sky. From our perspective, relative to, it moves. Yeah.
0: Relative to the background, that is. So, uh, yeah, that was the basis of trying to figure out where he was. So, later on, it became quite a frequently used method, and it became more and more accurate as it went along. But uh, he was the first one to have used it. That is definitely proven. He apparently claimed that Christopher Columbus had used it before, mm-hmm. but there is no evidence of that so, obviously, the news made it to Europe and it, it, they started circulating that it's a new continent. It's a completely new continent. And he was unaware, completely unaware, that uh, the new continent was named after him, hmm. colloquially, that is. So, it was it was not official for a long, long time, but everyone called it America. And the reason for why it wasn't Amerigo, as his first name is, is because continents are usually getting female names. Okay, so all the names of the continents, if you think about it, have an ending with A, and that signals a female word. Hmm. This is how the continent named after Amerigo Vespucci became the continent of America.
1: There you go. So,
0: uh, yeah. And he was born on the 9th of March, 1451. Happy birthday. Well, from the present to the past. (laughs) (laughs) But from the present to the past, well, the Catholic Church spends a lot of time in the past still. So uh, I think it is time for Pontus to poke the Pope.
1: All right. Yes. Uh, So, Frankie did a thing last week. Again? Yeah, he did a thing. He asked that the prayer of the month of March should be to pray for victims of uh, abuse. Mm, So, if you think prayer works, that's nice, I I guess. So, on the 2nd of March, he tweeted, quote, "...let us pray together for those who have suffered because of the wrongs done to them by members of the church." May they find within the church herself a concrete response to their pain and suffering, end quote. So, well, I, I don't know. Do you want to really turn to the church for, for and ask for them anything? to fix what? I mean, if you're in an in abusive relationship with somebody, you should turn to somebody else, not go back to the church. But okay, it's his job to promote the church, so I understand it. But together with this tweet was a video of Frankie talking about this and it's quite a video actually there are animations there are music there are flowers shriveling and dying when he talks about people who have suffered and then towards the end the the flowers all symbolically then grow up again because the church will come to the rescue they put some there's a, some production values there they put some money into this very touching however misguided i think it is Because for all of the production value in the film, it's clear to me that it wasn't scripted before, or or at least not very well. Frankie was speaking off the cuff, I think, because I wrote down, I won't won't repeat everything, but I wrote down what he said, and some of the sentences are are not very coherent. And I'm sure that's why they had to beef it up with all these animations and stuff to disguise the poorly constructed language he used. Still, some of the right sentiments were there. It's not enough for an offender to ask for forgiveness. The church must offer safe spaces for the victims to be heard, not cover up the tragedy of abuse, and provide a, quote, concrete response, which is a phrase he used uh, actually more than once. Then, in this video, suddenly, he sneaks in that abuse also happens in, quote, families, in clubs, and in other types of institutions, end quote. I wonder what he thinks that means. uh, What kind of clubs? A bit bizarre. Regardless of that, it's not cool. You shouldn't change the subject. We all know that abuse happens elsewhere as well. But this is about the church. You should talk about the church. You don't get points for pointing out that it happens elsewhere as well. In the church, I would argue, it is systematic, if not necessarily intentional. And then we come to my main criticism. This is just talking. What does it mean that the church should, quote, offer safe space, end quote, or have concrete response? Is it not up to him to fix this instead of asking everybody to pray for a month? I'm thinking like this. If he wanted to, he could issue one of his dictatorial decrees and order a systematic review and prevention of abuse. Why doesn't he create a new international organization funded by but independent from the Catholic Church to make sure that this doesn't happen. There should be hotlines where you could anonymously get help and advice. There should be clear paths to how you report this abuse to the authorities. And this entity should from day one collaborate with relevant legal instances and healthcare organizations to provide support. That's what I want to see, not just people talking about it and saying let's pray for a month. Of course, I don't believe that praying works. And I can't understand that Frankie thinks that praying for a month will change anything really on on this. So um, put your money where your mouth is, Frankie. You can make this happen. Create another organization to care for this and fund it, but then step away and make sure that the church doesn't meddle with it. That's my message. Well, I wonder if he hears it. Uh, I hope so. Of course, I'm sure he's listening every
0: week. Probably. (laughs) And (laughs) waiting for what you have to throw at him this week. (laughs) Um, Thank you very much, Pontus. (laughs) And that means that we are moving on to the news. And I'd like to go to our neighbouring, well, my neighbouring, Austria, where there is a politician by the name Norbert Hofer. And he's been a politician of uh, quite a bumpy kind of career. Um, he was almost elected Austria's president. And um, he was the former leader of Austrian right-wing party, very infamous right-wing party, FPE, And mm, I've heard of those. Yes. And now he's in the National Council. Well, he did a couple of very, very idiotic things like... Uh, uh, saying that the Quran was more dangerous than COVID nineteen at some point, obviously he was sued for for hate speech. But now, as it Ernst found that, well, it's a good catch. He now is on the way of becoming a snake oil salesman. Well, what do you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever works, right? So it's, <laughs> you don't have to make any sense. You just need to make some money and uh, get the support. So the snake oil in question is something that is marketed as Formula Fortuna. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it in German. For some reason, it comes to me in Italian, and that that would sound like Formula Fortuna. (laughs) But I I have a feeling that it's not how it's pronounced in German. So he is now launching his campaign to market this dietary supplement. And the stuff well... Kind of at first glance, it makes a little sense because uh, the ingredients in it are, among others, L-tryptophan. Do you know what L-tryptophan is, Pontus? No, I don't. Tryptophan is one of the amino acids that are the building blocks of our proteins. Pretty basic. So <laughs> okay. yeah, pretty basic. And as uh, many other amino acids, because the amino acids are, are not just there to build up proteins, but sometimes they are precursors to different metabolic pathways to produce some other materials like neurotransmitters in the case of tryptophan. Uh, and the, the specific neurotransmitter that is produced beginning with tryptophan is serotonin. So what is serotonin? Ah. <laughs> it's it's often referred to as the, the happiness hormone. Well, it's not as simple as that. To quote a classic Bengal liquor, I think you'll find it's a bit more complicated than that. Very much so, I think, yeah. Yeah, it was probably not him co- uh, coining that phrase for the first time, but never mind. So, also melatonin, the hormone melatonin, is produced beginning with a tryptophan, and... Um, vitamin b3 as well now this is the reason why this guy who has nothing to do with any kind of biochemistry or anything so he's he's not an expert on any of those but he claims that this will be a product that can be used to elevate your mood Because of the serotonin. So because the tryptophan in it will produce a lot more serotonin. However, the scientific results that can be found on whether this is the case are not necessarily very convincing. So we cannot say it out loud with any kind of certainty that an elevated level of L-tryptophan will mean that you are happier. In general, and ginseng root extract is also among the ingredients, zinc gluconate that are usually used for the common cold, and it's a food supplement. So it's, but it claims to have some kind of a medicinal effect. Obviously, it's not a cure, it's not something that you could claim that it will treat any kind of illness. Obviously, it will just elevate your mood. So it's a claim that you can make even with a food supplement and you don't have to attach any kind of evidence to that. This is why he doesn't fall in the category of a quack, but rather a snake oil salesman. He just markets something that claims to have an effect that is not proven by science and it's not supported by any kind of evidence. Oh, there is evidence... But it's not strong enough. Yeah. So, uh, Formula Fortuna, marketed by Norbert Hofer, is probably something that does nothing to you.
1: Hmm. All right. Okay. We haven't talked too much about COVID for a while. So let's do that. Do you think it's time? Okay. I think we, there are still topics to discuss. So m- much has been said about two American reports lately. That claims that the most likely scenario is that the pandemic started by the virus leaking from a lab in Wuhan, China. Mm. This was the FBI and the Energy Department of the U.S. For some reason, I don't know what the Energy Department ha- have to do with this. but they <laughs> With the released... lab leak, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I have no idea. <laughs> but as far as I know, they still have not presented actually the reasons for taking this position. And they also say that they rank this low on probability, but it's still the best guess, if you will. The other possible scenario they say and others say as well is that the virus spread directly from a wild animal or from an animal to humans at at the marketplace. That's the story we've heard. By the way, both scenarios agree that the virus started to spread from a market in Wuhan. It's the Huanan Seafood Wholesale Market. So <laughs> we know where it started, but we are a little bit sketchy on how. Now, this is, of course, great news for conspiracy theorists everywhere. Because according to them, this opens up the possibility for a pandemic to be man-made and deliberately spread. And uh, I don't know what, fill in whatever blank you want to after that. But the last word is not spoken here. Far from it. The Skeptic UK... Snopes and factcheck.org have all written about this and pointed out that this is far from settled. The idea is not crazy, one must say. You can imagine that somebody working at a lab in Wuhan, we know there were that kind of labs there, somehow, maybe some of them got infected or contaminated with the lab specimen of, of this virus and then they went to the market and infected others. that That's technically possible. But it doesn't mean that it was planned or intentional or part of some big uh, nefarious scheme. The virus apparently also shows no sign to be man-made or genetically engineered in any way. So that's important to remember. Nobody said that.
0: And that, that mm-hmm. was established quite early in the yeah. process because of, of the genetic makeup of it. So you, you would see certain patterns that would look like it was bioengineered. So the natural development of a new virus leaves certain traces behind that can be identified. Yeah. And those have been identified in the genome of the SARS-CoV-2. Yeah, it's, um, that's, it's, that's it's, that's been, right. it's been basically ruled out. But the lab leak is a different thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. But but and nowhere in the genetic information is there a stamp if you look with a exactly. microscope yeah. that it says made in China made or something China. like that. So <laughs> so that that didn't happen. But anyway, it, it could happen that it was leaked by mistake. But there are good reasons to be skeptical because the virus already from the start appeared in two different strains or variants. Mm-hmm. That would be very consistent with it being present in in several animals and perhaps brought together or at the same time. But if it was coming from a lab, then we have to imagine that two different workers, both at the same time, brought two distinct variants by mistake to the same market at the same time. That's not impossible, I guess, but it's very unlikely.
0: That's Uh, uh, why it was intentional.
1: uh, Well, Mm. exactly. Unless it was intentional (laughs) or deliberate. And uh, I feel this is what the narrative will be among the conspiracy theorists. But um, I think that's crazy talk. Uh, Why would anybody do so? But, well, I I guess you could pick your supervillain, your favorite supervillain, and speculate away. I'm still leaning towards... Well, it wasn't coming from, from the lab. But but you never know. We'll see what happens. It'll be very interesting to see if the FBI and the Energy Department will release the reasons that they came to this conclusion. Because as far as I'm aware, they haven't told us yet why they think that's the more likely, but still unlikely. It's a strange uh, thing.
0: Yeah. My concern is that a lot of news, out- news outlets picked this up and they interpreted it as a growing amount of evidence suggesting that it was a lab leak but yeah. that's not the case because the FBI did not release any kind of evidence that supports that statement they just said no. it yeah. and that's ridiculous this is not this is a scientific question and uh, we know that there are no signs of bioengineering there are several different signs of A normal spillover, as the origin hypothesis, from wild animals sold on those wet markets. And zoonoses are well known. We know a lot of those cases. So it's not like it's very unlikely to happen. Of course not. It's the most likely thing to happen around there because there Mm -hmm. are lots of crowded markets with lots of wild animals carrying lots of germs and lots of of pathogens so there is nothing surprising uh, about us. the problem is and and this is why i think it's very prevalent up until this day is because at the beginning the chinese government the way they handled this situation was not very transparent to say the least and then I put it. I put it mildly. <laughs> so mm. they were acting in such a way that it really strengthened the suspicion that it was there was something fishy about this, and that only plays well with uh, with conspiracy theorists. <laughs> yeah, the FBI. All right. Okay. Well, speaking of people talking rubbish and not realizing the responsibility they have when they have a large audience, Prince Harry has been at it again. Uh, and and uh, I don't know if you remember, but on episode 361, we mentioned a Hungarian-born
1: Canadian physician and author, Gabor Mate. Do you remember that? Mm, I think I, my, my conclusion is that everybody born in Hungary is called Gabor. So uh, <laughs> I, I get my Gabor mixed. Okay, so Gabor Mate is a Hungarian-born
0: Canadian physician and author, and he claims that cancer and autoimmune disease is caused by childhood trauma and oppressed memories. Uh, And we talked about this on episode 361. So uh, now, it's it's not the only thing that's controversial about Gabor Mate, because he's been known to use drugs to treat patients suffering from mental illness. When when I t- say drugs, I'm not talking about medicinal drugs, but recreational drugs and all that shit, so that in a different mental state, they could somehow, according to him, face their demons and all that. So uh, the other day, there was a live-streamed interview between Gabor Mate and Prince Harry, the Duke of Sussex. Well... Henry has been quite controversial with his statements and things that he released about his family and his own life and all that. Now, he seems to kind of boast about his drug use. We were talk to- we are talking about things that are not legal in the UK where he spent most of his adult life well he's royal he can do what he wants to right oh yeah 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 but there is something that he names as a very important part in his journey of finding himself and fighting off his demons and that is ayahuasca Mm. ayahuasca is one of the psychedelic drugs It's from the Northwestern Amazon. And there are scientific studies that suggest that it is not at all harmless. Being psychedelic, it could cause serious side effects. That is not cool to talk about when you have such a large audience. And especially, and this is why, he's getting a lot of heat at the moment. Because now he seems like he is using it and he talks about using this drug as a coping mechanism, some kind of a coping strategy that helps him overcome his difficulties and uh, basically promoting this drug that should not be happening. And there are anti-drug campaigners criticizing him for his move. But obviously, the campaigners who are for the legalizing of certain drugs, they are praising him for it. But I believe, especially with something that is known to have serious side effects occasionally as well, you should not be promoting the use of this, especially not without consulting a real doctor. Speaking of which, Dr. Gabor Mate is a real doctor, but he still talks rubbish. And he does, (laughs) during this interview, he does something really, really unethical from a medicinal point of view. As he talks to Henry, on the go, he diagnoses Prince Harry as having attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD. Based on the interview only? Based on the interview, and he does it on air. Wow. So that is really not cool. I'm really thinking of getting all the information together with the Hungarian skeptics on Gábor Mati because he's, a, he's considered a bit of a hero in Hungary at the moment with the media personalities. It's ridiculous. Yeah, so we're going to try and figure out what this guy wants because it's ridiculous the amount of nonsense that he spreads. Mm. And now Prince Harry is teaming up with him to spread all that nonsense.
1: Sounds That's- like Gabor Maté could be a candidate for the Flat Earth Awards, right? I'm pretty. Uh, if if nobody else uh, nominates nominate I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I definitely will. I definitely will. Sounds like it. Yeah. All right. It's interesting. I, I understand ayahuasca is getting more popular, and it, yeah. especially in the US, and maybe it's spreading now here as well. But Harry has been in the US quite a lot, so.
0: Yeah, and now it's definitely gonna be on the rise after this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm sure of that.
1: Anyway, I have more COVID news. Okay, I have interesting data regarding how well or badly Sweden managed the, to handle the pandemic. Mm-hmm. We all know that Sweden received very hard criticism for quote playing Russian roulette end quote with its population. Initial numbers seem to indicate that all the other Nordic countries. Had much fewer deaths than Sweden, even if Sweden was better than most other European countries. but Sweden was bad for being a Nordic country, and that became a big thing. Anders Tenell became a worldwide recognised figure he's the head of the well he was the head of the national health agency in Sweden at the time. But I have argued, and I think still correctly, that a lot of the high death toll in Sweden that we saw was a statistical thing. Sweden was much better than other countries to attribute deaths to COVID. Therefore, the better measure, albeit not not perfect, of course, would be excess mortality because that catches all the extra deaths. No matter how you categorize them, you, you see how many more people died than expected. Now, guess what? SCB, or the Swedish Statistics Agency, which, by the way, have statistics going back all the way to 1686. So they they have been in the game for a while. Well, they presented a study last week comparing the excess mortality in all European countries during the three years 2020 to 2022. Basically, you can call that the pandemic years. It's not quite over yet, but this will be remembered as the three pandemic years. So they compare the excess death for these three years with the three years before that, which was 2017 to 2019, and looked at, as I said, not just Sweden, all the European countries. Worst off was Bulgaria, which had an excess mortality rate of 19.8%, so almost 20%. Bulgaria was followed by Slovakia, Poland, Cyprus, Czechia, and Romania. Italy and Spain, which we heard a lot about, especially when it happened, is actually only on the 10th and 14th worst place, respectively. And they had 12.3% and 11.3% excess mortality over the three years. Sweden actually did better than any other country in Europe, with only 4.4% better than all the Nordic countries as well. And uh, b- there you go. We You don't know until you summarize everything. Of course, it depends. Statistics is difficult. You can always, de- it depends on how you look at it. If you just look at the first year, 2020, then uh, Sweden had almost 9% excess mortality. So yeah, it, initially we did badly, but uh, in the long run we did better. And I, I think we can still give a nod to Segnell, who, as I said, he was—he became the poster boy for the so-called Swedish experiment. Who, and uh, in the end, we can conclude that he didn't do too badly. Uh, so um, that's it. Um, Hungary, by the way, if you're interested, András, they I ended am? up at ten point one percent. That's three steps better than Spain as a comparison. Germany was at 8.6%. Now, well, Annika is not here, but Germany did even better. Germany was on the seventh best place uh, if you rank it the other way around and see who who did best. But Sweden was number one. And who could have thought?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so much for the Swedish model failing. Yeah. 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 Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. That is about all the news that we had to share with our listeners. But. We do have something else to share, and that is someone who's been
1: really right. Yes, that's right. And it's good to have something positive to end on. Uh, oh yeah. Today. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to promote a podcast, and it's not us. <laughs> there <laughs> is a, a pretty new podcast out called Richard Weisman's On Your Mind. That's the whole title of the podcast. You can find it everywhere. They have uh, for now released five episodes when we record this. He doesn't do this alone. He does it together with a science journalist called Marnie Chesterton. And they talk about different things. Every episode is about a special subject. And of course, if you don't know, Richard Wiseman is one of our favorite guys. He's a psychologist, a magician and a skeptic and uh, whatever. He's, uh, he's an author. We have interviewed him. We have met with him. He was actually the MC when we got uh, the award for the best podcast of the year. Once upon a time. Anyway, so uh, he's a great guy. He's funny. He does a mean uh, rabbit with a handkerchief. Ask him to do that if you meet up with him. But um so the, the topics so far that they have covered is lying, laughter, sleep, ghosts, and luck. So psychologically interesting topics and how, how people react, what can we tell about it scientifically? And he's done a lot of very, very interesting experiments and done some research for decades, I would say. Especially about luck, I think it's fun because Contrary to what you would expect as a skeptic, some people are actually more lucky than others. Mm -hmm. And, even more encouraging, it is a skill that you can train. I will not try to explain this. I recommend that you look up the the episode. Uh, Episode 5 is the one about luck. Very interesting, very entertaining, very funny and educational. So for keeping on and constantly renewing his communication in science and skepticism and for always being so informative and entertaining. Richard Wiseman gets today's prize for being really right.
0: And it's well-deserved just as usual. Mm. This time it's a positive thing. It's very, very uplifting and all that we need to conclude the show is a quote But unfortunately, Annika is not here. She's usually the one doing the research for a quote. So we decided to seek guidance from someone who's very well known for being in the know about humanity and the reptilians that control (laughs) the world. Ah. And that is David Von Eich. (sighs) He's an English conspiracy theorist and a former footballer and sports Protester. Total
1: nut job I wonder Total what you job. found here
0: But I find a pretty good quote Oh really And it goes Life constantly presents the greatest opportunity Brilliantly disguised as the biggest disaster <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well okay But I would say that David Icke's life So far has been one of the biggest disasters ever So I would wonder <laughs> when he's going to, to end up With his brilliant opportunity Or whatever he said No, this was in the spirit of
0: being very generous to the people that we usually criticize Ah. and acknowledging that occasionally even they say something that makes at least some sense. (laughs) So,
1: (laughs) I think that's the first time I've heard any skeptic say that David Icke said anything that made sense. But okay, fine. It's the first time for everything. Okay. (laughs) but that
0: (laughs) really concludes our show for for this week so Pontus, thank you so much for joining me today, it's been a lot of fun many thanks to our listeners as well for tuning in, please keep doing so and until next week goodbye tschüss (laughs) bis (laughs) lat So my call, so Michael is still out. Michael. <laughs> it sounds like Michael. <laughs> Michael.
1: Michael is still out. It's cold outside, but Michael is still out.
0: Michael, oh. come come back in. Come. <laughs> Just a second. I'm going to have to mute my family chat. <laughs> People are getting active in the family chat all the time this, in, in the evening. Okay. Between Gabor Mate and Prince of Harry, the Duke of Sussex. Did you did you call him the Prince of Harry? Prince of Harry? No, sorry. I think you said okay. Prince I'll of say, Harry. Okay, okay. We only need a quote here. And fuck, I we don't have a quote. <laughs> uh um, but, quote but I have an idea. Fuck. Oh, the quote for today is fuck, we don't have a quote. <laughs> <laughs> Andras Pinterest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, very uh, interested here to see how you will solve this.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, nothing to see here. Nothing to see here.